0: Hey guys, Anna Victoria here, and I'm so excited for you to join me on my podcast, Your Best Life. I'm the CEO and founder of the Fit Body app, a fitness influencer, and a personal trainer. Every week, I'm going to have a special guest that will share their unique experience and unique story to share how they learned how to live their best life, even if they're still working on it, since we are all a work in progress. I can't wait to help you learn how to create your best life.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Your Best Life podcast. Anna Victoria here. Hi, guys.
2: Hello, everyone.
1: And Luca. Uh, Today's guest is Lenore Scanese, who is the president of Let Grow, a nonprofit promoting childhood independence and resilience, and founder of the Free Range Kids Movement. She's also a speaker, blogger, syndicated columnist, author, and reality show host. She's the author of 2010's Free Range Kids, How to Raise Safe, Self-Reliant Children Without Going Nuts with Worry. (laughs) So Luca, um, what are you looking forward to hearing us talk about?
2: I really look forward to hearing the difference between generations, you know, how we grew up, how parents are, you know, actually raising kids right now and raising anxiety in kids. So how is everything connecting, you know? Well-
1: You know, I would say there's not only anxiety in kids, but there's anxiety in parents. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, Luca, (laughs) I think you can say firsthand, you know. Um, Yeah, I think that this is such an interesting topic and conversation because um, I think many of us grew up a lot more free and kind of with less um, hovering from parents and eyeballs. But the, the kind of climate, the parenting climate today is... Uh just much, I don't want to say it's much more involved. It is because um, you, but you should be involved. You know, that's a great thing, but it's almost uh, to the point of just not letting your kids figure out life it. on their own. Yeah, yeah. And experience things and fail and fall. And how did we get here you know is it a cultural thing is it a technological thing is it a you know yeah there's there's so many different sides to this so really excited to dive in and here is my conversation with Lenore Skenazy. Hi
3: Lenore thank you so much for joining us on your best life how are you? Uh, I guess it's my best life. I only <laughs> right. had one that I know of, so I, I'm fine. How are you? Anna? Great. I'm doing very
1: well. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, can you share a bit about who you are and what you're about?
3: Oh, sure. So I am the president of a nonprofit called Let Grow, which is dedicated to making independence a normal part of childhood again. Probably something like you grew up. right? Certainly the way I grew up. A lot of us did grow up that way. And uh, before that, I founded the Free Range Kids Movement, which is the same idea. It's like, why are we pretending like somehow our kids can't do any of the things that we were capable of doing and that we're glad that we got the chance to do when we were young? Right. And so how did this come about? Was this
1: something that you were passionate about pre-having your own children? Or was it something that once you had your own children, you noticed that there was a huge disparity between how kids are growing up today?
3: So I'd say all of the above, but um, I guess the inciting incident per se Mm -hmm. is that when um, our younger son was nine years old, which is a while ago, he's (laughs) 22 today and taking his commercial driver's license test, so he's going to become a trucker. Um, So he always liked transportation, and back when he was nine, he wanted us to take him someplace he'd never been before and let him find his own way home by the subway, which is how we get around in New York City where we live. And so we did that, and I'm a newspaper columnist by trade, and so I wrote a column why I let my nine-year-old ride the subway alone. And two days later, I was on the Today Show, MSNBC, Fox News, and NPR, uh, defending myself. Uh, I got the nickname America's Worst Mom, which Mm -hmm. feel free to Google. Um, (laughs) So that weekend, I started the Free Range Kids blog, which said, look, I love safety, Helmets, car seats, seat belts, mouth guards, extra layers, you know, bring a yeah. snack. <laughs> you know, I, I really think that I'm a nervous and um, well prepared mom, but mm-hmm. I still nonetheless had this old fashioned idea that kids could do some things on their own without a security detail and that that was actually good for them. And right. so that attracted a lot of people and obviously detracted a lot of people, or wouldn't be the worst mom. Um, And so I went around the country talking about that and thinking about that and writing about that for 10 years. And a couple of years ago, um, a professor of psychology from NYU, uh, Jonathan Haidt, he also wrote The Coddling of the American Mind, very popular book. Mm -hmm. Um, And a philanthropist came to me and said, let's start an organization together. We're really worried about kids becoming fragile and being raised so that they're sort of thrown off their game. By things that um, shouldn't be such a big deal, you know, a a mouse in the in the dorm room, an argument with a friend, right. a, a breakup. These things were um, hitting kids harder at, at uh, you know in their late teens, early twenties, than they had been before. And it wasn't just a question of us seeing this more, like, or, or sort of diagnosing it more. And it wasn't just a question of kids. Thank goodness. Being um, feeling less stigma about asking for help. It really was rising rates of anxiety and depression in our young people that was disturbing. And our assumption is that when you take away some of the building blocks of childhood, which are falling off your bike, getting lost, having an argument with a friend, and all those things are mediated by an adult who's always there to help, in a way that's not helping. In a way, always helping our kids is sort of hurting them. Right. And so... We're not hard asses, but we think that kids deserve some trust that they can handle some things on their own without us always hovering. So together we started Let Grow, which is um, the nonprofit, that's the name of it, Let Grow.
1: So when you wrote that column, you clearly hit a nerve with, you know, people I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure on both sides. So you mentioned that you had detractors. Uh, did you have any promoters or supporters of that method?
3: Um, over the years, I've had both. Um, mm-hmm. It's a phrase now in the Oxford English mm-hmm. Dictionary. So a oh. lot of people embraced it as what they were doing anyway. And it, yeah. it's not even like other people hadn't called it free range before. Mm-hmm. I did happen to trademark it. But yeah. um, <laughs> it, was, it, it was something that uh, a lot of people felt like it's sort of like feminism. Remember when, when Betty Friedan came out with the Feminine Mystique in 63? All these women started getting together in what were called consciousness raising groups. And they were talking about a similar experience that they'd all had. And it's like, I'm so bored at home or I should be happy. I just got a new dishwasher, but I really don't care. (laughs) Or isn't there more to life than, uh, you know, dressing up for the cocktail party? And when when they discussed it and they had an alternative, which was called, we are feminists. We want to be part of the world. We believe that women are equal. Just giving it a name helped people coalesce. And then start a movement. And so I feel like Free Range Kids is a name for something that a lot of parents were feeling, which is that I just got a a letter this morning, just this morning, from a a mom in South Carolina, three kids, and she said that the kids are back at school now, and they're not allowed to walk home. So she has to go and get them, even though she believes that the distance Mm. that, that she is from the school and her kids' maturity level means that they could walk home very safely. And so that's, to me, not fair. That is society telling her she has to be a helicopter mom when she has no interest in that, when she thinks it's better for her kids to walk home. And so do I. If she mm-hmm. believes it, I believe it. And so now we have a, a cry, we, you know, let grow, uh, you know, don't do that to my kids. You're, you're stunting them. And so that's it. It's just a way of, um, it is, it, 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 it upsets me when anybody Pretends that they're caring about. Oh, we care so much about our children that we're not going to let them walk home from school. That's not caring. That's just a right. a stupid rule that probably has something to do with um, fear of legal repercussions or over uh, excessive abundance of caution. That really isn't thinking about the real world. What are we doing to kids? Why are they all upset and angry? Not angry, depressed and anxious. Um, maybe it's because we're treating them like babies when they should be growing up. And how did we get here? Since we, I grew
1: up, you know, I, I think you could probably say as a free range kid. Um, yeah. and so Wait, tell the, me, tell,
3: tell me a little more. Like, what? yeah.
1: So, I mean, I grew up in a small town in Northern California. Um, uh, mm-hmm. population was like 45,000 when I grew up. So not tiny, tiny, but definitely not a big city. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, our house was surrounded by, you know, it was in like a subdivision, but surrounded by fields and farmland. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I would walk to the corner store that was probably a half a mile away by myself when I was under 10 years old and no one really said anything. I'm also one of seven kids and I'm oh, number wow. <laughs> yeah, and I'm number six. So, you know, kind of yeah. like when you have your when you have your first kid, you're much more of a helicopter parent as you get have more and more, you know, you you loosen the reins a bit. My mom had, you know, let go of
3: the reins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. That's cool. And are you are you glad
1: oh my goodness i am so glad i actually so my mom did end up um moving actually to mexico when i was 10 years old for work and so i moved in with my dad and mm-hmm. so he was a single parent raising me, and he worked in Sacramento about 45 minutes away, commuted, you know, an hour and a half round trip each day. So I was kind of wow. left to, yeah, I was left uh, with a lot of independence, a lot of freedom, really, I would say from when I was 12 years old. And my dad also had some health problems that prevented him from being as physically present in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, when my brother and I um, think about, you know, us growing up that way, that we kind of felt like we were completely. On our own from a very young age, but I'm so grateful for it because I am a very independent person, maybe sometimes too independent. Uh-huh. And I, I attribute it to the way I grew up and the fact that I didn't have a helicopter parent. Uh, so, yeah, so, you know, since myself, and I do think that a lot of p- kids in my generation grew up this way. But now Mm -hmm. as we're becoming parents, I actually just had my daughter four weeks ago. She's still a newborn, yeah, (laughs) just four weeks postpartum. Thank you. So as we're having our own kids, there is such a rise of this helicopter parenting. So how, how did that happen?
3: I'll tell you about it. But first, I, I you know, I use the term helicopter parenting, too. And I, yeah. I, I, I wish I didn't um, okay. because I don't blame parents for yeah, helicoptering right. in an era when, like, that South Carolina mom, she has no interest in, you know, pretending that her kids are little ducklings who have to be with her all the time. <laughs> right. And yet, obviously, the school is forcing her to do it. You have a newborn at home. There are so many products and gizmos and uh, you know protocols that you're supposed to be doing with a newborn now that are probably driving you crazy with fear, including there are monitors that will monitor your kid's um, movement level and blood oxygen and temperature and uh, blood pressure um, as if your child is in the neonatal intensive care unit, which thank God she isn't. But these are now for home use. And by the time you have a culture that is suggesting that these are just normal precautions. Why wouldn't you want to take take your child's blood oxygen level every single second of every single night? <laughs> right. um, you start thinking of your kid as very delicate, as very mm-hmm. vulnerable and fragile. And so it begins from that moment, even from before you had your baby. I mean, Dr. Oz had a book called... Um, you having a baby? <laughs> it's, it's a strange title. Um, so you having a breakdown. Um, and one of the things that he says is that you should be reading to your child while the child is in the womb, which to mm. me is is just insane because yeah. the child is hearing you talk. You, look, your child's hearing your podcasts for God's sake, right, right for, the, right, for the last nine months. And also, how much do you understand when you're underwater? It's like I'm, a little, 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 little. Yeah. you know. So, but they're but he's saying by he i literally mean dr oz but i also mean the greater society is saying like you have to create that bond and you have to start mm-hmm. that you know the 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 brains and the cognition all getting underway and it's like right how dare you say that? You know, you're yeah. making me nervous about something that is going to kick in automatically. Shakespeare was not hearing, you know, Mozart in the womb. Uh, Mozart was not hearing Mozart in the womb. Right. Mozart came out and then became Mozart. So what are we saying? Yeah. And, and who are Mozart's kids who heard Mozart in the womb? Yeah. So, uh, so you ask, how did we get here? Part of the answer is um, something you mentioned earlier, you're one of seven kids. When there are fewer kids in a family, it's not that you don't care if they die, which sometimes people think, but it does mean that there's a lot more money that you can spend on each and often more time. And so part of it is marketing. Marketers know that if you can scare a parent about their kid either falling behind or ending up dead, you know you can get them to shell out any amount of money. I mean, we all would because that is our big drive. So what feels like instinct of course, I want my child to thrive. Of course, I don't want my child to be hurt. Of course, I want to give my child the best of everything. That's, that's normal. But this level of fear that like I'm putting my child to bed at night, I better put a uh, you know an oxygen monitor on her. That's what's new. Uh, I feel like, yeah. like the marketing department or whatever, <laughs> the marketing world has taken our normal, natural desire to, to do the best by our kids and turned it into the, and if you don't, something terrible will happen so now you have to watch over them whether it's you know electronically or physically all the time and i'd say the other reasons that we've gotten to this point are that the 24-hour news cycle now aided and abetted by the internet you know good stories don't make the news bad stories do they right. get recycled endlessly people share them people feel like they're doing something good by sharing i was at t- target and i thought i saw a predator yeah. so there's the news cycle Um, we discussed earlier that perhaps that South Carolina mom is prevented from taking her kid home because there's some, uh, you know, lawsuit that the school is afraid of. And so you live in a litigious society, everything starts being seen through the lens of what could go wrong, who would have to pay, let's just skip it. And, um, and then we have, you know, experts who are always telling us, you know, watch out for this, watch out for that. And that's how you sell magazines and books, except mine. So, um, it it's just it's a confluence of many things and this idea that we can control for every variable we have technology that lets us see where our kids are and listen in on their conversations and see who they're texting and find out their grades and did they get on the bus and did they eat lunch and so it just gives us this idea that we are omniscient and that we should be um and that we should be that we're watching everything they do see eat read lick here and monitoring it all and perhaps curating it all to make a perfect experience for our kids.
1: Yeah, it almost seems like there's a kind of a mix and um, sort of technology and media that is causing this cultural shift. And I actually love that you brought up all the new techie stuff for newborns and monitoring because I I am experiencing that right now and having to decide, like, do I want this extra layer of monitoring or do I want to just trust that everything will be okay? Because there's a trade-off, like how much more anxiety could those monitoring systems cause? Um, One in particular is an outlet sock that you put on. Yes, I didn't
3: mention its name, but it's true. Yeah,
1: well, and so I've been reading a lot. been i'm in some like mommy groups you know i'm reading a lot of conversations about it and i always like to look at both sides of things and i'm seeing the women that are saying like it has saved me from my anxiety i can sleep better you know yeah but then there's the other ones that are like oh my gosh it's causing me more anxiety there are false alarms that happen there's reports of it like burning or i don't think it's an actual burn but something happens on the foot with it So, you know, we decided to not get it for now, but my husband who bless his heart is the sweetest man, you know, his heart on his sleeve type he's born and raised from Rome, Italy. And he, um, he's a bit more hypersensitive to like her is she sleeping okay you know like I want to check on her and so we've had the conversation of hey we didn't get the outlet but Luca like will this make you feel better like for me I'm I'm personally good without it but you know we we still haven't decided but you know we're we're trying to see like is this the case where it could alleviate some anxiety for him i think it's different for every person you know it really is a, it's not, I don't think it should be a blanket suggestion for every single parent.
3: Um, so so it's interesting because, Anna, you are in the thick of it right yeah. now. And um, obviously couples are going to have to grapple with this. And, and sometimes a couple thinks something and the in-laws or the mother or whatever, uh, the grandma thinks otherwise. And it is, oh. it, it, the idea <laughs> that um, that these do alleviate anxiety um It's interesting that it's controversial. Obviously, so the outlet for people who don't know what it is, is this little sock that's Mm -hmm. filled with wires and monitors that do um, give a readout to the parent's phone of the blood oxygen level and the this Mm -hmm. and the that. And until it existed, nobody had to worry (laughs) every night that their kid should be hooked up to... What used to be literally in the hospitals, you know, to the that would go to the nursing station. Except now you're the nursing station to see if you know the right. child's vitals were okay. And the level of undermining of our own sort of optimism or trust or um, I guess it's just uh, your belief that things are going to be pretty okay.
1: Yeah.
3: You're not allowed to believe that, and that's what's the most interesting to me about our society now. And so the reason um, my letting the, the, my son take the subway was so controversial, I believe, was, first of all, it's in New York, and everything in New York is more interesting, and everybody who's <laughs> seen the subway, most people have just seen it in horror movies, right? right. <laughs> or aliens coming down. <laughs> um, but the question that was uh, usually asked of me in the interviews, I would say, for the first five years, <laughs> it's been like 12 now, uh, yeah. was, okay, he was fine, but how would you have felt if he hadn't come home? Mm. and. I never had a good answer because because they knew how I would feel. Right, right. And I knew how I would feel. And like, what are they asking me to do? To, to say I would be tearing my hair out and, you know, jumping off a tall building, which I just might. Mm-hmm. Um, but so why were they asking if they knew how mm-hmm. I would feel? And it took me literally a long time, look, four years, before I figured out that they were, if it wasn't a question then it must be something else. And what it was was an accusation. And it was an accusation that how dare I think things would be okay? How -hmm. come I didn't go to that very dark place? How would you have felt? And since I didn't go there, they went there for me Mm -hmm. and took me and whatever audience they had listening to never coming home. You took your eyes off him. You thought things would be okay. Now you're in hell forever. Your son is dead. It's all your fault. Mm -hmm. And it's. I feel like we've been it's like a catechism like we've been taught a certain way to think that is new like i said the worry about your kid and the you know new parents going in and looking over the you know the crib thing is she breathing is she okay i'd say that since the beginning of time but the idea that you can go okay, it's four weeks now. I think we got the hang of this. She's, you know, she's going to sleep now. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really, I, I hope she's going to sleep. I think that's also very hard. But the idea that you could trust in the world, trust in yourself, trust in nature, all of that is considered negligent now. And that drives parents crazy because they're not allowed to even believe that their kid's chest going up and down. The original ads for the outlet, this thing that measures your child's everything, m- yeah. um, vitals, Uh, their original website said just because her little chest is going up and down doesn't mean she's getting enough oxygen. And that really is a way to drive any parent crazy. It's like, you could be Mm -hmm. looking at your kid, your kid looks fine. You're a decent parent. Your home is prepared. You know, the child was given a stamp of approval and, you know, when when she left the hospital and now you're still supposed to be worried to the point where you can never sleep, you know, or the monitor can never sleep. That's the beginning of you not being able to say, I'm going to let her go out. Oh, yeah, well, what if she never comes home? I'm going to yeah. let her sleep. Oh, yeah, what if she never wakes up? I'm going to let her eat. Oh, yeah, what if she chokes? I'm going to let her take walk home from school. Oh, yeah, what if she's abducted? Everything is undermined by a what if, and I feel terrible for parents because it does drive you crazy. Right,
1: and do you think that, so, because of technology, social media, the news cycle, everything, um and like you said, you know safe stories don't sell, and you know that's not what what gets clicks and, and makes headlines um but from what i've read the very the very little that I know on this topic, I've read that things are safer today, statistically, um back when I was walking to the corner store half a mile away by myself with mm-hmm. fields all around things were statistically more unsafe then. Um, Have you found that to be true with your research?
3: Well, yeah. I mean, we sort of have to discount COVID, obviously, because that's just a a, a total monkey wrench into everybody's life. But in terms of statistics, you know, I was a reporter before I was a Mm -hmm. columnist, before I was whatever I am now. (laughs) And so I do my research and the research shows, the FBI statistics is not me. You can look on, uh, you go to letgrow.org and you look up crime stats um yeah crime was going up in the 70s 80s and 90s it peaked in 93 and it's been coming down more or less ever since with tiny little blips but never anything up to what it was in 93 i I can tell you about my city new york city Mm -hmm. used to have about 2000 and something murders every year and now it has about 200 murders every year so um we're, we're back to the crime rate of the 60s and you know sometimes it feels like until the crime rate is zero, somehow today's kids are not allowed to go out. But, you know, you're never going to get to zero. And somehow my mom back in the 70s and and your dad back in probably, God knows when you're so Late 80s, yeah. Late 80s.
0: Early 90s. You know,
3: it's not like they thought that there was no crime, but somehow they were allowed to keep it in perspective. And I feel like that's what we've lost. We've lost Mm. any sense of, you know being 99% safe is safe enough it's it's not and so the mm-hmm. same with your kid in the in the crib at night just sleeping yeah. you know without a blanket without a pillow without a stuffed mm-hmm. animal without bumpers i'll bet you don't have any of no. those things no. <laughs> right right sort of naked in the world um <laughs> you know that seems pretty safe and until we had the technology that you could bring home to monitor them it was accepted as pretty safe and now it's not and and same with the crime crime rate it was okay to go outside when there was some crime but not a lot and now that there's less crime somehow it's not allowed anymore
1: yeah and I have to admit we do have one of the not in her bassinet where we're sleeping in the room with her but in her crib where she takes some naps we did just install one of those cameras and it it does track her heart rate and things like that and the hard thing is that we're really techie people like we Mm -hmm. you know we we have an app you know and uh we like stats and things like that so like it's it's a hard balance of like even with the outlet we thought like oh it would be really cool to see that information but again And, you know, thinking about the trade-off and and everything, but that's, that's just us. Um, So what do you say to the parents who are worried that they, they, they see the news cycle, they see the headlines, they see all these things going on and that they are worried that their child is going to get hurt or abducted or something else horrible.
3: Um, I'll talk about abduction first and then we'll talk about risk. Okay. But um, abduction is just a, a number that I had crunched for me for my book Um, so it's 10 years old now, but the, the statistic I love is if for some reason you wanted your child to be kidnapped by a stranger (sighs) and held overnight, which is what they call a stereotypical abduction, um, how long would you have to keep your child outside? Let's say, let's say the bus stop unattended for this to be statistically likely to happen. And by statistically likely, it's sort of like imagining how many, lottery tickets you would have to buy to be statistically mm-hmm. likely to win Powerball or whatever, but this is statistically likely to be kidnapped by a stranger. How long would you have to keep them outside without you there? Let's say two weeks. Uh, complete random guess. It's actually longer than a lot of people say. Some people yeah, say yeah. like an hour. Okay, um, okay. Yeah. But but statistically, Warwick Cairns, this guy who wrote a whole book on how to live dangerously, yeah. quote unquote, it's 750,000 years. Whoa! So... <laughs> Well, I thought, I, oh, wow, okay. Yeah, because it's, it is so rare. It's insanely, thank God, insanely wow. rare. Um, it's not rare on Law & Order. <laughs> it's not yeah. rare on, you know, Facebook with people thinking that they were almost, their child was almost kidnapped. <laughs> right. um, speaking of which, uh, one of the things that was sort of popular... Popular is a weird word, but going around maybe a year or two ago was um, a lot of moms posting on Facebook that they had been at Target or IKEA. You're nodding, um, yep. and they were, you know, going down the shoe aisle with their kids, and there was a strange man at the end of the aisle, and then they came down, you know, three aisles later, and there he was again. And then, God forbid, maybe there he was when they went to Home Depot and there he was again. And, you know, and they write, I have no doubt that they were planning to sex traffic my children because I saw a van outside, too. And the door was open. Um, And then they get hundreds of people writing on. Thank God you were so alert. Oh, I'm glad you stared him down. Yes, that's all it takes. Stare him down. Um, (laughs) You know, hooray for you, Mama Bear. Um, But I reporter again called the head of the Crimes Against Children Research Center, which is um, in New Hampshire there's a guy named David Finkelhorn I asked him how many times has this happened that some a child is taken from their parent in a public place because they're you know mm-hmm. they, they go to get the toilet paper and the child is taken or whatever uh, how many times has a child been taken from a parent in a public place and and put in and sex trafficked and he said zero so I hope that that alleviates wow. some nervousness because it's an urban myth and it's mm-hmm. really popular and I I'm not even sure whether the the people who are writing it online believe it or just want, Mm -hmm. you know, high fives, you know, likes or whatever. I I, I don't know. But I do know that statistically, the statistic is zero. So that shouldn't be um, a a huge worry or a worry um, for parents.
1: I feel like gosh, even right now, like you said, this was really popular, popular. It was going around, you know, a year or two ago. And right now there's been a a lot of buzz around, you know, pedophilia and sex trafficking and, and a supposed, you know, that some, something going on right now where people are, um, you know, pizza gate. I'm not sure if you've heard of that and, you know, all, all these things. Um, Mm -hmm. so I feel like there's just with the media And again, I don't know the statistics, but you do. Um, Sort of. Yeah. Some of them. Not all. Yeah. Yeah. But with technology and with social media, it just seems like these stories are just going to continue to kind
3: of pop up. And, you know, it it is hard to ignore, you know, but... You know, the the stories are popular because they get under your skin. And once again, we're talking about going to the what ifs and the the biggest worries of parents. In terms of... um, Sex trafficking, I have to recommend somebody else's um, podcast, which I just thought was so well done and so illuminating. It's a, it's a podcast. I only listened to this one episode of this podcast. It's yeah. called You're Wrong About. Mm. It's two reporters, Sarah Marshall and a guy named Michael Hobbs, and I okay. don't know either of them, never met them. Yeah. Um, but they have one podcast. You know, they, 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 they delve into urban myths or misconceptions, and when they talk about um, sex trafficking, they talk to the people running the, you know, the programs to help people. You know, right. to, to make sure that kids get out of it. Uh, and they talk to people in uh, criminology, and their findings are so fascinating um, because I, I think we, yeah, I think we really are wrong about. We think that this is happening everywhere, all the time. Right. Children are being plucked right and left, and really, it's 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 not if you're a sex trafficker you you would groom somebody first right. you would make sure that you could ha- have them as opposed to somebody who would run away and and you don't want to have somebody who's necessarily underage because that makes the onus on you know the, any any criminal penalties worse and and it it really has to do with something equally sad but not equally common um, to middle-class parents worrying about their seven-year-olds being taken from Target, which is runaways, mm-hmm. sometimes abused kids, sometimes kids who are gay or transgender, whose parents right. throw them out, and to how are they going to live? And so they end up turning tricks, and it's just, it is just as sad, but yeah. it's not just as shocking,
1: right. Right? right? And
3: so that's what they talk about. They talk about who is really being um, trafficked. And why and how. Mm-hmm. So in terms of parents worrying that their kid is going to be snatched from the bus stop, that is extraordinarily unlikely. And, and that's why I wanted to talk about risk for a second, mm-hmm. because it sometimes feels like there's, you know, like better safe than sorry is is this weird idea that like you can either be safe or the second you're not super safe, you're going to be sorry. But in fact, there, there's no such thing as no risk. So if you've decided that you're, it's too risky for your kid to walk to school, and 90% of us have because only 10% of kids walk to school anymore, um, you're saying that it's risky for them to walk, but there's no risk for them being in the car with you. Whereas the risk of them walking and the risk of them being in the car with you is both really, really low. You know, if you learn to look both ways as a kid, if you drive safely as a parent, and if you're lucky and not hit by a drunk driver or whatever, or not extraordinarily unlucky, I should say, yeah. Um both these decisions have a minute risk in them, and both of them are equally wise. And so to think that you're only smart if you're with your kids, and if you're not with your kids, you know, you've abandoned them, and anything bad that happens to them is all your fault, that's that's this false dichotomy.
1: Yeah. What I would also like to dive into is the, how you mentioned that a lot of kids and even goodness, young adults are, are depressed. They have a lot of anxiety. Um, And how much does, uh, so actually I have one question. You said helicopter parent is not the best term to use. What do you prefer instead of that?
3: What I prefer is not to blame parents. Yeah. Right. I mean, here you are, you're having this discussion with your husband. Should we put, you know, basically, um, a, a previously um only used by hospitals device on your healthy child at mm. home. And it, it's not because you're this crazy hovering parent right. or or husband. It's because it's on the market now yeah. and there are ads for it and it's in the air. And it's like, well, are you crazy not to do it? So So I feel like parents are, first of all, just having all these fears and what ifs thrown at yeah. them. In a way that my mom didn't. When my mom let me walk to school at age five, it wasn't mm-hmm. because she was a daredevil or she was clueless about crime or she wanted to teach me a lesson and make me, you know, a free range And <laughs> It was just because right. everybody did it. So the social mm-hmm. norms back then weren't for helicopter parenting and now they are. And so we are really a product of our culture. Mm-hmm. And if everybody else is, you know, I did this too. I dropped off my kids at school every day because... Uh, Somehow, in between the time when I'd been a kid and when my kids were children everybody was there was just a giant group of moms at the at the school every morning and in fact the words changed when I got to school it used to be arrival and when you left it was dismissal ding 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 dismissal and now it was drop off and mm-hmm. pick, pick up. up so it wasn't me deciding it it was just right. this cultural right. norm and like of course you drop off your kids and of course you pick them up it's in the words you know the things that are sent home from the school you know parents at drop off please don't you know linger at the gate or whatever so oh, wow. So that's why I don't blame parents. And and I think that the word is wrong. But I do think we have this culture that has been, I don't think deliberately, treating children as less and less and less Mm -hmm. competent, less and less able to handle anything on their own. And I think there's something called an internal locus of control. And it's meant to say, like, if you have a big internal locus of control, if you feel like you are in control of your life, you're deciding, you know, everything from, you know, what to do and how, you know, who to be friends with and what your interests are and what you're going to pursue... And, and you don't feel micromanaged and always Mm -hmm. under surveillance and always being judged and always being told what to do. If you have this nice internal locus of control, you're generally a more positive person. I mean, it just, it correlates. (laughs) And, and if you feel like you're being micromanaged, scrutinized, distrusted, undermined, it feels bad. Just like it, like at work, if you have a boss who doesn't believe in you or, you know, is always checking everything or always comparing you to, you know, the, the person across the partition when we used to have people in offices, you know, and that person's doing so well, And what's your problem? And so what's happening with kids today is that they don't have much internal locus of control because so much of their life is run by an adult from being dropped off at school to, you know, uh, the, the school has taken over a lot more of children's time than it used to. Uh, there was a study done in 2004, which is already pretty old, that said that kids were spending 7.5 more hours a week in school and homework than they had 20 years earlier. And I'm sure it's wow. only been going up since then. And then there's after-school activities, and generally they're run by an adult, and maybe you're dropped off by an adult, and then an adult is telling you, okay, these are the teams, and you're going to play second base, and you're in charge of, uh, you know, bringing the snack. There's, there's nothing internal that's that's controlled everything is externally controlled and right. all that is done because you want your kids to be safe so they're not just wandering around after school they're in a program and you want them to get ahead so that they're going to go to Kumon and do some homework afterwards and and then your parents have to sign the reading log to make sure you read for 20 mm-hmm. minutes and you are being you know sort of going through the factory every day uh, right. down the uh, the assembly line and that is depressing you feel anxious somebody's judging you And you feel depressed because you don't know who you are and what you're capable of. So when we talk about no risk, like I'm going to do everything with them and for them and have them supervised every single second. okay, you're getting rid of one risk, which was already very tiny, which is this risk of strangers. Um, And then you are building in a new risk, which is this risk of depression. So that's it. So I do feel bad for parents because they're told to constantly supervise their kids. And in return, like all the thanks we get is now our kids are anxious and confused and don't know who they are.
1: Yeah. And I think that you you exactly answered the question I was going to ask, which was, you know, in the context of, of kids being more depressed and anxious today, um, and on the opposite, you know, what, what about those kids that have more you know, free range and, you know, more control of their life and their decisions. Um, Yeah. So you, you pretty much answered that. And it's something that my husband and I talk about because he and I grew up very differently Um, aside from the fact that he grew up in in another country, (laughs) different culture, but like within the family unit, like he had two parents that were very present and I did not. And that doesn't mean that his parents loved him more than my, you know, that has nothing to do with that. Um, but we just talk about, you know, in terms of how we grew up in our family, what that looked like, and how independent we are, how even how anxious we are, you know, and, and things like that. But what we also wonder about is
3: what is the role of nature versus nurture? Thank you for asking. Yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> right, right, none of us do. Yeah, right. But But here's one thing that I will say, which is that Um, I don't want it to sound like, A, there's one perfect way to raise kids, right? or B, that if you do it, quote unquote, perfectly, whatever that is, that your kid will be perfect. I mean, there's an expression that was made into a a title of a book by a woman named Alison Gopnik, which is The Gardener and the Carpenter. And a carpenter takes whatever materials they're given, whether it's wood or chewing gum, and turns it into a chair. That is their (laughs) job. They're going to nail it. They're going to cut the pieces. And it's like, okay, whatever I got, now I got a chair. Um, And then there's a gardener who's given a bunch of seeds, doesn't know what they are, puts them in the ground, makes sure that they get watered, you know, tries to take out some of the weeds, you know, tries to make it so that they get a little sunlight. And um, those are two ways of parenting. And a carpenter can't guarantee that the materials he was given are going to be great for a chair. You know, if it's chewing gum, if it's fabric, you know, it's a bad thing for a chair. Why are you constantly, why are you so obsessed with making a chair? You can't make a chair yeah. out of what you were given. But a gardener says, oh, look, this one's an apple tree and this one's a dandelion. And I love them because they are things that are growing in my yard. And so in terms of nature and nurture, nature is these different seeds. You know, you get the kids. Some of them are anxious. I think I'm anxious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, some of them are, you know, their set point is... You know, really gregarious or very shy. and I, I don't think you can change the fundamentals of right. of who you've gotten. I do think that um, the only thing that I'm arguing for is not even a parenting style. Mm-hmm. It's a skepticism about a society that has told us that this generation of kids, is more fragile than any that has ever come before. More likely to die in the crib. More likely to die in, the, you know, in a parking wow. lot. More likely to, um, you know, to fall apart at anything. And so we always have to be there. That's an insult to the species. It's a way of keeping the kids down. I think it's a way of keeping moms down. Suddenly the job of mom has just expanded, just as we're getting into the workplace and doing really well. Right. We're expected to spend uh, college educated moms are spending nine more hours a week on childcare than they did in the seventies. Wow. So. I'm really like a cultural critic as opposed to a parenting expert because I just feel like our culture is there's, there's nothing that is too crazy for it to worry about when it comes to kids.
1: Right. And, and so for those parents that kind of see this, the, the climate and the, the cultural kind of position that we're in and are saying, okay, um, I want to kind of loosen the reins a bit. How, how do you suggest they get comfortable with letting their kids fail and have that that freedom.
3: Here's the deal. So for ten years I went around talking about this exact subject, right? Yeah. Saying like, wow, this culture's gone crazy with fear and it's really <laughs> driving us nuts and it's so unfair. And everybody would nod along and then nothing changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when I started let grow, uh the goal rather than changing minds was to change behavior. Because once you change your behavior, once you do let go, Uh, and let grow, Uh, Mm -hmm. it's so much easier because you start getting this amazing reinforcement of watching your kid thriving or, or you know, sort of recovering from um, a little setback. And so it's very hard to do this on your own. And so let grow proposes a couple of things. We have a couple of, uh, everything's free, so it's not like I'm making money on this. But so we have a couple of school initiatives. One is called the Let Grow Project. And when there is no school or when school is online, it's called the Let Grow Independence Kit. It's the same thing, which is this. Kids get the homework assignment, do something. Mom, it says, my homework, it says, I have to do something on my own without you, without an adult. And then we give them a list of ideas and, and it's, they can do anything that's not on the list too but it's walk the dog climb a tree make a muffin babysit you know uh, pack your own backpack everything from the smallest thing make a sandwich for the kindergartners mm-hmm. up to uh, you know go out for dinner and you know with money that you made I don't know mowing lawns and so um because the school is sending home this homework because it's from the teacher a parent finally has permission and a push to to let go, right? Because Mm -hmm. it's very hard to know when you're supposed to do it. But if somebody externally is saying, okay, it's time, then you talk about it with your kid and decide what your, you know, what your neighborhood, what makes sense for your kid, their age, um, what they're interested in doing. And then you do let go. And when the kid comes back from getting the cranberry juice or whatever, Mm -hmm. and they come through the door, your heart is so excited. And I used to not even understand why sometimes parents were like ecstatic when their kid would come back and I thought oh they must have really <laughs> thought the kid was going to die on the way to the store and now they're grateful that they they didn't. But it gradually occurred to me that you have your kid, you have your kid now. Um biologically the imperative is to keep them alive so that they're alive when you're gone, right? right. And until you see that they can survive without you, you don't know that you've fulfilled your, your obligation as a parent. You don't know if you've succeeded. But when they get the cranberry juice and they come home, it is an existential joy that the parents feel that our society has pretty much deprived them of by saying, no, you can never let them do anything on their own. Right. So the Let Grow Project in schools or, you know, the Let Grow Project at home makes it much easier to let go because it's it's no longer a crazy thing it's homework you know it's just something else that kids should be doing just like learning their multiplication tables which i think is something else they don't and then (laughs) and then we also recommend that kids be part of a let grow play club which is you know just a term for basically keeping the schools open when schools are open again before or after school for mixed age free play they figure out the games they solve their own arguments they um You know they make their own friends they're creative they decide to change the rules that's democracy they have to make sure that the other kid is having enough fun that the other kid doesn't say forget it i'm going to go play with somebody else so that's learning all these social emotional skills that will help them so i feel like for parents letting your kids do some things on their own preferably as you and your friends also make the same decision or you and your fellow school parents do it that makes it like you're not the crazy person And then Mm -hmm. having them have some free time for free plan. I have to say COVID has been great for one thing, which is kids Mm -hmm. having a lot of free time. And there are kids out on bicycles and kids drawing with chalk like we haven't seen in a generation or two because finally they just have all this free time and parents can't supervise them 24-7. And so off they go. and, And that is that's a real silver lining.
1: Yeah. And so this question is going to be in the context of pre-COVID. So for um, Let Grow, it's a nonprofit, right?
3: Nonprofit. Yeah.
1: Okay, so um, the Let Grow program, is that something that you project? Mm -hmm. Sorry. Is that something that you are uh, collaborating with schools and that they are implementing those programs? Okay, so once we're all back to school safely Mm -hmm. and everything, is Mm -hmm. this something that parents can request to the school to implement if they don't have it? Like how do parents get involved in the Let Grow program?
3: so easy. Um, if you go to letgrow.org, there's a section for parents, there's a section for schools, and you know, you can just, you know, forward it to a teacher saying this sounds great. You can be doing it during distance learning. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a way of a couple things. First of all, it's a way of getting parents used to letting their kids do something a little bit on their own mm-hmm. and and enjoying the um, the fun of seeing your kid growing that way. Uh, our letter that that is to parents and, and actually is for teachers, too, is to also, it's nice to recognize that, like, when your kid is baking or when your kid mm. is learning their way around the neighborhood on their bike or when they're doing raking the leaves, these are not time wasters. These are education, too. I mean, we've gotten so focused on education mm. being what happens in the classroom that you forget that there's math when you're doing math and concentration when you're doing your baking. And there's, you know, geography when you're riding around the neighborhood and there's fortitude and practice and um, stick-to-itiveness and grit when you're doing the leaves and, you know, more leaves fall every day. And so I feel bad when parents and and especially when teachers um, discount anything outside of the classroom as a growth experience that's really going to help your kid. So this is just a way of like sort of recognizing again that kids are not lumps just because they're not in a classroom at that second filling out a worksheet or writing an essay they can be right. learning doing almost anything and when they're when they're excited about something when they've like decided that they want to do the baking their their mm-hmm. curiosity when you're playing when you're interested in something your brain is knitting every synapse and so it's not wasted time and i know the parents are worried because COVID means that kids are home a lot and sometimes they're playing video games. Video games are yeah. also helping their mind and often they're good for their social skills too. So it's just a way to help relax and enjoy the ride, even as bumpy as it is right now. Right, And also to recognize that this is something great. I mean, that it's mm-hmm. not just all lost time because there's mm-hmm. only three hours a day of school instead of seven. I mean, yeah. your kids, nobody likes to be bored. Right. And so to get out of boredom, your kids will find something that interests them. And nothing is interesting if it is so simple, like playing go fish, you know, (laughs) unless you're three, I guess. Um, You know, when we're bored, we want to do something else. And same with them, which means that they are growing, even if they're looking up YouTube videos. I mean, we did uh, let grow did a survey of sixteen hundred kids ages eight to 13. So older than yours. But we asked them, what new things are you learning? And um, just for fun. And it was everything from, you know, origami. I'm learning about frogs, Uh, gangsters from the 40s. I'm learning about fuses. I, you know, learned how to make pizza, making things out of cardboard. So they are learning even if they're not learning something that they will ever get a grade on.
1: Um, so I have two more questions for you. So first, uh, the name of the podcast is your best life, which the point is that there's no such thing. Kind of like you said, there's no (laughs) one way to parent, you know, but we all have different priorities and different things that have contributed to allowing us to find our own version of our best life. So if you were to say one thing that has allowed you to live your best life, what would that be?
3: This might sound silly. But I'd say my husband. Oh, I mean, I've been married yeah. for a long time, and I'm married to um, a person who is who gets my jokes, <laughs> who's very funny, who diffuses a lot of situations, and also like after you know after the whole subway riding thing, he knew how to start a blog, which I didn't know, and he got me my my wow. URL and stuff. So really, he's been. Um, I wouldn't say the wind beneath my wings because he's also the, you know, maybe he's the other wing. Yeah. So I would say him.
1: Yeah, and that completely resonates with me. I think that's a beautiful answer. Um, my last question for you is Uh-oh. where, no, no, it's an easy one, the easiest oh, one, where people can find and follow you and um, uh, learn more about Let Grow.
3: Oh, great. Well, I bet you can figure out that it's called Let Grow, L-E-T-G-R-O-W, not let's grow, not let go, not let it grow, which is the <laughs> first idea possible. It's dot org. Um, and also, I my my Twitter feed is free range kids, uh, so either of those places are great. Um uh, is where you'll find um, the Let Grow Project and the let you know instructions for a Let Grow Play Club, which are pretty obvious. Um, it's where there's we have a lot of printables, we have downloadable this, and it's also where you'll find the Let Grow Independence Kit which is the version for home learning for, for parents just as an easy way to let their kids start doing things on their own. And, uh, you know, my Twitter feed is just where I hang out all the time. I wish, (laughs) you know, I wish I was a little less (laughs) obsessed, but so be it. Amazing, Lenore. This was
1: so fascinating. Yeah, I cannot wait to chat with my husband about all Ooh, of this. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Um, thank you again so much for your time, and I hope you stay safe and healthy out there.
3: Oh, thanks, thanks, Anna. This was great.
1: And that was my conversation with Lenore Sceneese. Luca, what did you think?
2: What a great guest. <laughs> what a great conversation. Oh, I loved yeah. it. I really, really loved it. And Honestly, she blew my mind a couple of times. Uh, With what? Definitely the statistics, the one time that she said, how long would you need to wait for your child to get abducted at the bus uh, station? Well, according to statistics, 750,000 years. That's how unlikely it is uh, for that to happen. Or, you know, when, you know, she was saying about the statistics of children getting abducted in public places while mom is distracted. And she, you know, she, she found out that actually there are zero cases in the yeah. United States for that. Well,
1: and I, I, but I think that what she said, which these are the cases of, a, of, you know, children, you know, leaving the house or running away, or, you know, it, it's it's the runaways, it's the, you know, people who are much more at risk youth. It's not just, you know, a random child that's, you right. know, with their mother and shopping at Target. Right. But, you know, th- those stories, are so hard to ignore on social media and it's something that like i've even i remember like you know like she said one to two years ago when this was a really big, you know, topic on social media. I read those things and forwarded it to my sister because she has two young daughters. We hadn't, you know, we didn't have any kids yet. And, you know, it was something that I was even thinking like, oh my gosh, I'm so worried for my nieces, you know, because of this going on. And and it really does tap into your emotions. And it's, it's a lot of like fear mongering that goes around. And so I do think it's important. While I don't think that we should just like completely ignore those and just be like meh that's you know fake news or whatever it's I think it's okay to be concerned um but to look at the statistics and to to look at the more you know the since that's a very emotional response look at the the logical you know rational statistical response so aside from that uh, how about the uh, conversation of how you and I grew up? So let, let's talk about this for a minute, because okay. you and I, we've chatted pretty extensively about you had much more involved parents than I did.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I also grew up in a big city. And right. obviously, Rome wasn't the safest at the time. Um, it's It's been getting better. But, you know, at the time in the 90s, there wasn't. I did have really involved parents, I feel like I'm, I'm still really independent and I love the fact that yeah. you brought up, okay, how much is it nature, how much is it nurture? Because it's something we mm-hmm. really talk about a lot. And she said like, well, I don't know, you know, every yeah. kid is different. And I, I actually loved the, the, uh, the analogy that she brought up, you know, it's the gardener and the carpenter. You know, you just let grow at the point, right? And you, you might get something, other, you know, a, an orange tree or, or a peach tree, you know, whatever it is, you know. Right. And it, I, think it's a, I think it's a beautiful analogy. And I totally agree with that. Um, So growing up, I would say I had very involved parents, but I was free to go out. Since I was like 12, I would go out and, you know, walk the neighborhood and, you know, and spend some time with my friends by ourselves for a while. So we had that kind of independence. I remember walking to the park, which was about a mile away, and just go, you know, Bring a soccer ball and just go play, and we will meet Mm. with a bunch of friends at at the the park. So I totally agree with there because you know kids are losing independence, and we at the same we loved our independence independence when we were kids, right? So and and we try we need to try to get back to let kids experience life and get lost I really resonated with that getting <laughs> lost because I remember specifically one time getting lost with my best friend in Rome oh
1: no and Oh, but let me not- just stop and say Luca has the worst sense of direction I think of anyone I've ever met and I like tuning my own horn I have a really good sense of direction so I just cannot fathom Luca's lack of sense of direction and even to this day having had grown up in Rome you do not know how to find, no. you know, your
2: way around. At one point, you were actually showing me around Rome. I was point. telling Luca yeah. where to go 100%. when we were driving in Rome. So, so think just, about just to Back this. when we were like yeah. 13, yeah. we got lost for, a, and we, could, no cell phones, and it was a few hours before we actually got our, yeah, before oh, we actually what? figured out how to go back home. But we did. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, okay, but... Now that you're a a parent, a very, very new parent. So we have very few instances of (laughs) obviously she's a newborn of where we've, you know, need to think about letting her, you know, out into the world. But how do you feel about it?
2: It's a great question because it's, you know, it's the Um, Mm trade-off. And I'm still figuring out, uh, you know, the monitor thing. Is it going to give me more anxiety? Am I going to check on it every Uh second of the night? Or is it going to help me? Right. Uh, I don't know the answer. I really don't know. And the fact, <sighs> the fact that you know, like just like she was saying, that it's on the market right, right mm-hmm. now. It wasn't on the market like, until a few years ago.
1: Right.
2: You consider it, and we are techie people, so. Mhm. There is really like we are still we are, we are still trying to figure it out.
1: Yeah, we're still figuring it out. So for those of you listening, we would love to hear what you think about it. If you are parents, how have you navigated this topic of letting, you know, uh loosening the reins a bit with your kids or you know, taking advantage of the technology that we have today, has it helped alleviate anxiety or has it caused it? Um and all that. So uh we'll look forward to hearing from you in the Facebook group or on Instagram and we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye.
0: Bye. And that is it for this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, I would love for you to share with a friend, spread the word and help us grow our tribe. Please rate and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes each week. You can also follow us on Instagram and join our Facebook group, both under the same name, Your Best Life Podcast, to keep the conversation going. You can also send me an email at yourbestlifepodcast at gmail.com and you just might be featured in a future episode. Your Best Life is a Gallery Media Group original production.